Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and I thank you so much for this time that we have to dig into your word, to study it together. Lord, there are many around the world who do not have this uh, privilege, and so we certainly do not want to take it for granted. God, I thank you that you use us in the process of furthering your kingdom. Lord, I fully admit that if everyone here knew me the way that you knew me, that they wouldn't listen to a word I had to say. But I thank you that you offer us grace and forgiveness and that you use broken vessels to carry your word. I thank you, Lord, for your word, and I pray that you would speak to us now through it. We praise you and we thank you, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So many of you have asked uh, how our vacation was, and so I thought that I would just show a few photos. By the way, uh, Ethan, all of the photos that are on the PowerPoint are totally copyright safe. I took most of them, so um, you can go ahead and, and put them up. So um, I thought I'd just go through a few of the of photos just from vacation just to see. This is us at the airport getting ready. Um, lots of people have asked how Evie does on the plane once we figured out how uh, the whole oxygen situation and uh, you know getting her hooked, hooked up to the right stuff she, she does wonderfully um, this is a, a bag of chips that we had on the plane this is uh, a, a rack of lamb that I ate uh, the first night we were there we went to this place called Jerusalem restaurant it was really really great the rice was good, too. Ah, these are uh, some churros that I got in Epcot. They were delicious. This is a, a thing called a shul bread that I got in Norway right after I ate the churros. It was, <laughs> it was delicious. Ah, okay, so we ate in Germany, and, uh, and this is some uh, apple strudel that I had. That was really good. Oh, okay, okay. So we ate at this place. It's called the Boma Restaurant. And it's on the Animal Kingdom Resort. And they have just meat on top of meat on top of meat. It was, it was paradise. It was absolutely, like this is what the wedding feast of the lamb is going to look like. Just, it was, it was wonderful. And that sort of orangey pumpkin looking stuff on the side, that was really good too, but I don't remember what that was. Oh, okay, you kind of have to turn. This is uh, just some hot dogs that we had in uh, Hollywood Studios. They were really good. Of course, we had the, uh, you know, the Mickey-shaped ice cream thing. This is fish and chips that I had in England. That was, they were good. Oh, okay, so this is the thing I got in France. Uh, it's like a, a brioche bun, and you put a scoop of ice cream in it, and then they, like, smush it and fry it. Oh, man, it was so good. It was so good. Uh, these are some tacos I had in Mexico. This, of course, is Dole Whip. If you've ever been to Disney World, Dole Whip is delicious. Got to get it. This is called a Cheshire uh, cattail. It's really, really good pastry. All right, so obviously I'm being a little facetious. Uh, if you want actual pictures of our vacation, I will gladly show them to you. <laughs> but I, I, I do all of that to make a point as you can read on the screen, 
Food is a powerful, powerful thing. And more so than that, I want to talk about today, and I guess I'll use the word convince. I want to make the case that food can be or is a powerful tool in sharing the gospel with those who need it most. Now, I have to say that this is kind of a, this is a different, this is an abnormal thing for me. Most of the time, I like to just take a chunk of scripture and go through it and dissect it and then come and speak and and talk about that. But as I I was praying and, and just seeking the Lord's direction as to what to speak about today, and in the back of my mind, thinking about all the delicious food that I ate on vacation, I, I, I was, the, the Lord just really pressed on my heart to, to bring this today. Something that I, um, a lot of the material I want to share is something that I got from a podcast that I listened to and it talked about feasting, the importance, the gospel importance of feasting. Um, I tell my, my youth group guys, a few years ago, I kind of picked up a phrase that I use as a mantra for my life, uh, and the phrase is fight, laugh, feast, and Jack tells me that that's the dad version of the live, laugh, love thing. I don't know if he's true, but, but I, I take it to mean, you know, I, I fight, my, fight with sin, uh, laugh with God, and feast with the saints. That's kind of how I view it, and so... This idea of feasting is very, very important. You know, people and families in our community who need Christ, I think they will be drawn way more to our relational feasting fellowship than they ever would be to our preaching, as great as it might be. They will be drawn to our relational feasting fellowship way more than they will be drawn to our website or way more than to our vision statement, or our church uh, purpose to be a church that cares. That's how powerful feasting is. Food is an important thread that is weaved all through Scripture, and we're going to look at that today. Uh, If you think about, when we think about, uh, just for a second, um, a traditional family meal that you have every year. For us, it's our Christmas Eve get-together with my mom's side of the family. (laughs) We have tons of shrimp at this gathering. And it's it's this thing between my grandfather and I that we always joke about who's going to eat more. And and it's just, it's, it's it's a powerful bond that we have together. And it's shared over food. That's how important food is. Uh, I have to say, I, I, oh, it is spelled correctly there. Okay, Samuel Peps, I think that's how you say his name. In his diary, he says this, a good dinner and feasting reconciles everyone. The motif of food is woven all through Scripture. Let me give you just a few examples. We have the fruit uh, from the garden trees. We have bread and wine, milk and honey, leeks and onions, 
oil and plump figs, grapes, roasted lamb, savory stew, loaves and fish. And of course, at the end of the, of the book, we see the marriage feast of the lamb. Food is all through the scriptures. God told Noah when he got off the ark that the animals were now food for him. Praise God. Abraham fed the three strangers. Leah and Rachel fought over mandrakes. Joseph had a banquet for his brothers. The Passover is, if nothing else, a feast that the Jewish people celebrate together. God gave the Israelites in the, in the wilderness quail and manna from heaven. Ruth ate after she did her work. Nehemiah told the assembly to feast. When they get together and he said, and, and he and Ezra and the priest said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. He said, go now and feast together and take portions to those who have none. In the New Testament, when Jesus taught us to pray, he uses the phrase, give us this day our daily bread. He feasted Jesus at, we at the wedding at Cana, in Matthew's house, at Zacchaeus's house, and the Last Supper was a feast. Uh, most of Jesus' post-rection appearances involved food. In John uh, 21, he, uh, when he, he appears to the disciples, he has a uh, fish picnic with them on the beach. The early church, part of their, uh, the doctrine that they put out to all the churches was discouraging people from eating uh, food that was sacrificed to idols, meat that was sacrificed to idols. God told Peter in his vision to kill and eat. Revelation 3.20 said, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in and discuss theology with them. No, he says, I will come in and eat with them. I like, typically I don't like the King James Version, but in this case I do, because he says, I will come in and sup with him. And I think that's really, really cool. Uh, again, at the end of Revelation, it ends with a massive wedding feast. Food, feasting, is a thread that is all through the scriptures. Just think about for a second the process of food, the process of creating a meal. Now let me say, no chickens were harmed in the making, the crafting of this sermon. Uh, the chicken, the live chickens on this side, they're, they're, they're my chickens that I have at home. I hate to break this to you, uh, this, this might break some people's hearts. Chickens don't come from the grocery store. There is a process that has to take place to go from live to table. And that's with anything. I mean, think about 200 years ago, before we had grocery stores, people would have to go out and hunt. And just the, the process, <laughs> the process of shooting an animal, and then field dressing it. I, I went to Greg Hart, uh, not Hartman, excuse me, Greg Elliott's house a few months ago, right after he and Danielle had shot a couple of deer, and he was processing the meat. And I walked into his garage, 
and he has this deer carcass hanging from a hook, just suspended in the air, bags of ice placed all over it. I mean, he's over there slicing off and chopping. I mean, that's a process. That's a big deal. Think about, I mean, just growing vegetables. You have to go out and pick them. I mean, you have to plant them first and then grow them and nurture them and then pick them and then come in and clean them and chop them up. I mean, a meal just doesn't happen. The process of creating a meal, I think, is a sacred, sacred thing. And it's something that we can't just stop doing it because then we would all perish. Food is an important thing. It sustains us, but it also draws us together. And I think that's why we see this thread woven through Scripture. If I haven't made the point clear enough, let me give you three more things. Faith is described as being hungry and thirsty. Worship is described as gathering around the Lord's table. Covenant is described as being a community that shows hospitality. Food is a big deal. And I don't know about you, I praise God for that. I know some people just eat to sustain themselves. But if you're like me, I love food. You and, you and, I mean, I hope the pictures prove that. You enjoy a good meal. And I think that is a blessing and a gift from God. A good theology, a good thinking process when it comes to God, a good theology will produce a good meal. This is so important, I think, that it was woven into the very foundations of the church. If we look at Acts chapter 2, starting in, in verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They devoted, the early church, the first Christians, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread. Eating together in community is right there in the blueprint of the early church. It goes on to say, And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now it's interesting that they, it uses the phrase here, in verse 46, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, eating together day by day, they received their food 
with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number the same phrase, day by day, those who were being saved. This passage that gives us a blueprint of how the church did and should operate includes food. And I don't, it's not a coincidence to me that it says day by day they met together and they broke bread together, they had meals together, they ate together, and day by day, God was adding to their number those who were being saved. I don't think that's a coincidence. This word that is used in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. It, oh, excuse me, that should say day by day, breaking bread in their homes, just because I know you have to fill that in. Um, it's not, it, it, oh, the, the word here in verse 42, devoted themselves, uh, the Greek word here means that it was a priority. It was, in, it was near and dear to their hearts. It was important for them to do this together. And they did it day by day, so it happened often. And again, that same phrase, day by day, it says that the Lord was saving, adding to their number those who were being saved. If we as a church want to make an impact in this community, we should seek this kind of thing. This should be in the very fabric of who we are as a congregation, that we get together often, as the early church did, and we share meals together. We would call this Uh, hospitality. And so we as a church, if we want to have an impact in this community, we should seek to show hospitality. And that's exactly what Romans 12, verse 13 says. If you want to turn there, you can. Romans 12, 13 says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Now this is in this particular verse in chapter 12 is in um, the part of the book of Romans where you know, Paul has gone through all of the theology and now he's kind of going through how it applies to our lives, starting here in chapter 12. And so he's going through a whole list of things that we should do and in verse 13, this, this is a part of it, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. I don't think that's the right verse. <laughs> That's definitely not the right verse. Okay, ignore that verse. Don't ignore the verse. I mean, we'll go back and look at it later. Let me, let me read it so we're clear. I looked over and I saw David's face and he's like... <laughs> and I'm thinking, what, what's going on? Yeah, okay. <laughs> we should probably fix that for second service. Or maybe I should just change my sermon. <laughs> I don't know if we can bring those two together. Anyway, let let, let me read this together. Romans chapter 12, verse 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. That's the actual verse that we, we are going for. Romans 12, 13. Seek to show hospitality. Hospitality and food often go hand in hand. You know, there is an ancient practice in the, in the, the Middle East. Um, 
where they believe that if you eat a meal with somebody, from that point on, you are not allowed to slander them. You are not allowed to say a negative thing against them. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, that doesn't include criticism or if you're stating something factual that they did, you know, that, that's, that kind of stuff is, is excluded. But I love this idea that if you share a meal with somebody, you are prohibited from that point on from saying something negative about them or slandering them in any way. Because that's how important sharing a meal is. It is a sacred bond. It is a sacred gathering of people, of souls. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Hospitality is a qualification to be in church leadership. It's on the list that Paul gives in Titus chapter 1. I think in our individualistic culture, hospitality is an art that we have lost. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with focusing on the individual at times. I mean, we certainly need to look into ourselves and realize I am a sinner, not we are as a community are sinners, although that is true also. But it, you know, it's okay to focus on the individual every now and then, but not at the expense of the community. And seeking community, seeking uh, the idea that we need to get together, we need to fellowship, we need to share meals together, we need to share life together, it's an important thing. Something I think the church needs to rekindle. We need to figure out, again, this art um, of showing hospitality to one another because it is a powerful thing. It is a powerful way to share the gospel, especially with a world that has shut its ears. You know, we could go out and in, into the town square and we could preach and preach and preach and preach and there might be a few people that respond. You know, perhaps the Lord has been working on them through the Holy Spirit already. And, you know, there might be a few who respond. But I think more effective than that would be to gather together, to feast together, to share life together around a table. There is where opportunities for the gospel take place. Think about it this way. Fellowship is where friendships and trust are built. And so you're sitting around a table with those, with your neighbors, those who live in your neighborhood, sharing a meal, swapping stories. And it comes to the point in the conversation where they ask, you know, maybe you're talking about politics or something that's going on in the world. And they ask you, well, what do you think and what do you believe? And that is an open door to share the gospel. To say, well, we live in a really, really crazy world. And I think the reason for that is sin. You know, I believe that God created that there is a God and that he created each of us. He created us in his image. But because mankind turned their back on him, we're broken. 
we broke our, that relationship with God. But, he, but because He's good and just and merciful, He didn't just leave us there in our brokenness. He sent His Son to pay the price for our brokenness. He took our brokenness upon Himself and He gave us His wholeness so that we could have fellowship, so that we could have a relationship with God, so that we could be brought back into that right standing with God. And I believe that if we would realize that and turn from our sin and put our faith in Jesus, the one that God sent, I believe that not only will we live way better here on earth, but one day we'll get to live in the presence of God. I don't know about you, but I think that scenario is beautiful. Having that open door to share the good news. And, and to say to our friends and our neighbors, you know, I'm a Christian and this is the great news of Christianity. I think we can be way more effective by creating fellowship and sharing a meal with those that we come in contact with those in our, our neighbors, our friends. So, I hope that I have successfully made the case for this. But I want to end our time here with just a few questions. If this is all true, if food is a powerful thing, if feasting is so effective in opening doors to share the gospel with our friends and our neighbors, what are you going to do about it? You as an individual, what are you going to do about it? Who lives near you? I know some of us live out in the country and neighbors is kind of a <laughs> ambiguous term because our nearest neighbor might be two or three miles away. But those who live around you, who can you reach out to and invite to your house to share a meal? Nothing more. And I know what you might be thinking, oh, but Josh, my house is a mess. I have news for you. Everybody's house is a mess. Because we live in them. If you don't want your house to be messy, stop living in it. And it won't be messy anymore. Everyone's house has a little bit of mess. You know, uh, the past couple of years, there's this thing called, uh, that has, has come up because of the wonders of the internet. It's called uh, Airbnb. I don't know if any of you are familiar with that. It's basically... Uh, like a hotel, but it's a house, and you, have, you can reserve it on an app, and it's so much better than staying in a hotel. <laughs> um, but you, people who have extra houses or extra rooms, or maybe they have a, an in-law suite that they don't use anymore, they will rent this room out to people. And when you go there and you, you get on the app and you look through the pictures, it always looks so wonderful. I often think, man, why can't my house look like this? It doesn't look like that because nobody lives there on a permanent basis. But whenever, like, for example, 
to get really specific, we, we stayed on vacation. We stayed, stayed at an Airbnb, a little condo where we were, and um, it was immaculate. It was so clean. But we're going through, the, going through the, the condo, and all of a sudden I come to this door that has this giant lock on it. And I just imagine behind this door is a mess. That would be everywhere else in the house if somebody lived there permanently. But because it's, you know, for rent, all the mess is in there, and it's shut and locked up. So if you're afraid of inviting people to your house because it's a mess, it's okay. We all have messy houses, or at least a closet in our house that, has, that contains the mess. It's honestly, a messy house is part of life. It's part of living. And if you have kids, it's amplified exponentially. So I say that to say, don't, don't concern yourself with those kinds of things. Invite someone over and share a meal with them. This isn't a command. I'm, I'm, I'm just encouraged. I'm trying to encourage here. Second thing I want to say is, question, what are, if this is important, if this is true, everything I've said, what are we as a church body going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? When I came here uh, 10 years ago, This is one of those points that this week I wrestled with the Lord as to whether I should say this, but I, I pray he gives me the courage to say it. When I came here 10 years ago, I became aware that there was a conversation within our church body that had been going on for a lot longer than I had been here about getting a, wanting to upgrade the facilities, get a new kitchen, and, and all this stuff. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm a newbie here. I'm just going to stay out of this conversation. My thoughts on this are irrelevant because I haven't been here long enough to really contribute anything. And so now we are at the precipice of having a great new shiny brand new kitchen. And I, I praise God for it. I it is a huge blessing that we could do this. And I thank and I praise God for it. But here's my question. Now that we have it, what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do about it? David, I love, you tell this story all the time. When, you, when, when the church got uh, the first van, I don't remember who, who it was, the name that you give, but whoever was... Uh, a part of that process said, let's drive it till the wheels fall off. I mean, figuratively, of course. I hope that we can take that same mentality with this kitchen. Let's drive it till the wheels fall off. Let's leverage this thing to have a huge impact in this community. And I, I don't know what that looks like. That's above my pay grade figuring that stuff out. But whatever it looks like, let's do it. 
Let's do it for the glory of God. Let's use that thing to host meals, to host gatherings, to fellowship together around good food. Because food is a powerful, powerful tool in sharing the gospel. A good theology will produce a good meal. Food is a powerful thing when it comes to sharing the gospel. Because gathering around a table leads to fellowship, which leads to friendship, which leads to open doors in sharing the gospel. And above else, isn't that our purpose, friends, as a church? To advance the kingdom of God? So I want to ask again, what are we going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? How can we use food and feasting for the glory of God in sharing the gospel in this place, in this community? Let's pray together. Father, it may seem a little cliche, but I just want to praise you so much for food and the blessing that it is. Not only that we can cook up a good meal, Lord, but that you have designed our world in a way that food creates fellowship, food creates bonds of togetherness and community. Lord, I pray that you would begin to stir in our hearts and minds uh, ideas, ways that we can use our kitchen table and the church's kitchen table to share the good news that you have given us, that your son came to save us from our sins. Lord, I look forward, we look forward to seeing what you are going to do in our lives and in the life of this church and in the life of this community. We praise you, Jesus. And as we sing this last song, Lord, I pray that we would just lift our hearts to you. We thank you, Jesus, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen.